I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 58, The Vision of the Redemption of the Dead, Studying Doctrine and Covenants, Sections 137 through 138. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. And in the grand tradition of naptime devotionals, I'm actually not doing this during nap time. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, I'll do it during nap time again. Part of it I want to say is because the baby takes a nap in here. I recorded my bedroom and I have two pack in place for him. One that's in our front room downstairs. My bedroom is downstairs. So it's like the room that's right side outside of our door. And then one that's in our bedroom. And during the daytime, I put them down for naps inside my bedroom. That way the kids can still go into the other room, play Barbies, watch a movie, whatever. But then at nighttime, I stick him in the other room, right? In the front room. So that my husband and I can actually sleep. And we're not waking each other up. We're not waking the baby up. The baby's not waking us up unless he actually needs something. Um, Because our baby talks in his sleep. And makes noises in his sleep. And will bunny in his sleep still so that's i think why he hasn't been we haven't been doing this during nap time anyway um it's gonna be trying to grab the mic while i'm sitting here no no bunny um so let's talk about 137 and 138 these are some awesome verses here. I think there's a lot that we learn in these verses, not just from the verses themselves, but also from how, what happens in the verses, if that makes sense. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, verses in 138, in verses 1 through 10, we see a pattern that emerges, right? We're always told, you guys heard the song, right? Search, ponder, and pray, right? We've all heard that song in primary. Um, and this is an example of where we get to see this happen in, in real life. We get to see um, in verse one, Joseph F. Smith talks about, he's sitting in his room pondering over the scriptures, right? Um, he's thinking, and then verse two, he's thinking about the atoning sacrifice of Christ. And in verse three, he talks about, um, oh, and he's thinking, okay. So verses two and three, he's thinking about the atonement. He's thinking about the love of heavenly father. Um, verse four, he's thinking about, um, obedience and how man might be saved through the atonement through obedience and then in five he says while i was thus engaged right so he's sitting in his room he's got his scriptures in front of him and he's thinking about god and christ and the atonement and love of our heavenly father and how we can be saved and all these things right while i was thus engaged my mind reverted to the writings of the apostle peter that's in verse five so while he's thinking about these things, his brain picks up, hey, remember what Peter said in um, in in these various scriptures, right? He lists a couple of areas. And then he opens his Bible, right? He thinks of these things, then he opens the Bible. And then 
once he is reading the scriptures, right? So in verse seven, eight, nine, we, um, wait, let's see. Seven, eight, nine, stop it, bunny. Verses seven, eight, nine, he gets, um, oh no, just kidding. Seven through 10 are scriptures that he was reading in first Peter, um, in verses in chapters three and four. And so after he goes through this, after he's already sitting and pondering upon the marvelous things of the Lord, after he already has his scriptures open, after he already goes and searches a scripture that came up to his mind, after all of this stuff, then the spirit of the Lord rested upon me and I saw the host of the dead, both small and great. In these moments, after he's done the searching, the pondering, the praying, after that, then he gets the vision. And I think this is so important because I think a lot of times we, at least I do, sometimes think about Joseph Smith being asleep and then all of a sudden an angel just shows up out of nowhere. And I forget that um, Joseph Smith's first vision came when he was searching his scriptures pondering about what church was going to be true. He wanted to make sure he made the choice that was going to be him following the heavenly father and following Christ. I've got a three-year-old in here. That's also touching my mic. So everybody's in here today. I should have locked the door, but I didn't. Um, and, um, no, I don't need you to lock it. You're already in here. Just leave it open. So after the searching, the pondering, and the prayer comes the vision. And I think that the Heavenly Father, this is, okay, hey, 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 shh, mommy's talking right now. Sorry. I think at the point here that I'm trying to make is that Heavenly Father respects our agency so much that he will wait until we have asked him a question to answer us. And he makes sure that we do the work that we're going to be prepared to receive those answers. Um, because I think, you know, in order for those scriptures and Peter to have come to Joseph F. Smith's mind, he had to have read those scriptures. Right. And I think that's something that's super important. Why we're told to pray or not to pray. I mean, we are told to pray crazy babies. Um, sorry, I paused the video and my recording because my three-year-old was being kind of an insane. Anyway, so it's the, the point I'm trying to make is that Heavenly Father respects our agency, that we need to be reading the scriptures so that when we are searching for answers, the Holy Ghost can bring those things to our minds. Um, I actually had the opportunity of talking with our Sunday school class. Um, I teach in the primary. We teach the nine and 10 year olds. Um, and we had the opportunity this past week to talk to them about, um, how our knowledge follows us, right? Like the things that we learn in this life, the things that we learn on this earth are things that we get to take with us when we die. We don't get to take our Legos. We don't get to take the cool iPhone 15 or whatever. We don't get to take our physical things with us, but we do get to take our, mental, emotional, knowledge, intelligence, memories, all of those things we get to take with us. And I was telling them how I believe, and this is kind of gospel according to Donica, 
But I believe that our the things that we learn here, even when we forget them, will be restored to us, kind of in the same way that Bethany Hamilton, whose arm has been eaten by a shark, when she resurrects, right, because she kept her first estate, her body will be resurrected. When she is in her resurrected body, she's going to have both arms. She's going to have everything in her body is going to work the way that it was always intended to. And she's going to have all of the parts that she's supposed to have, right, in a perfected human body. And I think that our minds are going to be the same way because I think about my grandparents, especially my grandpa Palmer, he lost so many of his memories in the end. He didn't recognize my dad, his own son. He didn't recognize either. I mean, my dad or my uncle, he didn't recognize either one of them. Um, My dad said it was very strange because grandpa would look at him like he knew he was supposed to know him. Kind of like, you know, you see an actor on TV and you're like, oh, I know them. Where do I know them from? I feel like I should know them, right? They have a very familiar face. And my dad said he would look at him like that, where he had a very familiar face, but he couldn't figure out, ew, gross, baby. He couldn't figure out where he knew him from. And I believe, right, that in the resurrection, when my dad and my grandpa finally get to meet face-to-face and physical bodies again, that my grandpa will, of course, know his son. And he will, of course, remember all of the things that he learned and all of the things that he knew and um, and all of his memories. Everything will be returned to him. Um, and so I think that there's some things that we learn, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I know I knew this, but I don't remember it. Like, if you handed me an algebra book and was like, hey, do all of this, out these hard algebra problems, you know, <laughs> 15 years ago, I could have. I could have done it because I knew it. Now, all of my algebra knowledge has been replaced with the Paw Patrol characters, and it's not there anymore. Um, but I believe that that information will be restored to me, right? And so I think that that's something that we read the scriptures and we're like, no way is my brain going to hold all of the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price and the Articles of Faith and all of the other general conference talks. And, you know, like there's so much information. There's no way my brain's going to be able to hold all of it. And no, I don't think your human brain can, but I think that your spiritual consciousness is able to kind of catalog that and so that the Holy Ghost can bring to remembrance what you need when you need it. But you have to be doing the daily studying. You have to be in the scriptures. Um, And for me, I always tell people, and I don't know if this helps (laughs) at all, but I always tell people, I feel like the scriptures are like Shakespeare. If you only watch or try to read Shakespeare once in a while, or like once in a blue moon, you're going to be like, oh, I hate reading Shakespeare. It's so hard to understand. It doesn't make any sense. I never know what's going on in it. But if you are constantly in it, right, if you are daily spending time in the scriptures, if you're daily spending time with Shakespeare, right, you're every day reading some sonnets or reading Macbeth or whatever it is, um, if you spend that time in there daily, the language is very easy. It comes to you naturally. Um, and I think that one of the most important things we can do is spend that time 
daily in there so that we can have these experiences, not necessarily with a vision, but we can be pondering and searching for answers. And Heavenly Father can bring us those answers by bringing our remembrance of conference talks or other scriptures that we have already read. Um, and so I think that these verses, um, so in verses 11 through 13, we get his actual vision. Um, and so I think that that's, that's something to be said. And then I also love in verse 17 in, um, chapter or sorry, in section 137, verse 17, um, we know that the spirit and the body are united again, that they might receive the fullness of joy. And I love this idea that the fullness of joy comes to us when we are, we have to have our spirit and our body, because that means that every single person who kept the first estate, every single person that's come to the earth and gotten a body will be able to receive the fullness of joy. And all of those souls, all of those spirits, I should say, because soul in the scriptures is defined as a, as the uniting of the spirit and the body, but all of those spirits that followed Satan, the one third of hosts, are never going to experience the fullness of joy. And I wonder sometimes how much that breaks Heavenly Father's heart, because I think I know I tend to think about the, the third of the population, the third of the hosts as kind of like a massive, like blob of people, but Heavenly Father knows each one of those spirits individually and he knows them. And he's, I'm sure that his heart breaks that that's the decision that they made. And that that's a consequence that they're going to deal with for eternity forever there's no they can't fix that one um so the last thing i wanted to talk about was in um section 137 in verses 55 and 56 sorry i'm trying to keep the baby from like destroying my room i have all kinds of things i don't want them getting into around here um but in verses a hundred um 56 and 50 or 55 and 56. He talks about how he observed. They were also among the noble and great ones who were chosen in the beginning to be rulers in the church of God. Even before they were born, they with many others received their first lessons in the world of spirits and were prepared to come forth in due time of the Lord to labor in his vineyard for the salvation of the souls of men. And I remember, like, reading this as a teenager and being like, well, that's not fair. How come they got extra stuff? Like, how come they get extra help? And as an adult, I'm like, they didn't remember any of it either, right? Like, they also had to go through the veil just like the rest of us. Their spirits had this access to this knowledge, um, but they had to go through the veil like the rest of us, and they don't. It's not like they just woke up one day and remembered all of it, you know? And I don't think that this means that just because they were chosen of God, that they struggle less than anybody else. I don't think that they means that they make um, less mistakes or that they sin less than anybody else. I think that they still 100% get the human experience, but they are also chosen of God. And from what I've read about our... Many of our prophets, many of our leaders' um, lives, if anything, they're tested more, right? Because Satan works on them harder because he knows that they're going to be instrumental and he wants to take out as many people as possible. 
Um, and so I think that that's something to, um, to keep in mind when we think of those that were chosen by our Heavenly Father um, prior, prior to this life. Um, and I think when ultimately the whole point of us coming here is to learn, to grow, and to choose our Heavenly Father again, to choose Christ, to choose to be with the both of them. Um, and I probably ought to go right now because he's right by the court and he's going to end up canceling all of this and turning everything off. But um, I will talk to you next week. Ah, baby, stop.